0: You know, we as a church have done that. We don't, it's not something that we take real seriously. And it is a command from our Lord and Savior that we do that. Um, at, at some point, we as a church, big church, big C church, are going to have to stop thinking that somebody else is going to do this. We've got to get to the point where this is a call to action for us. And it's, for some of us, it's really scary. You know why? Because we have to talk to somebody. We have to talk to somebody about something that we're uncomfortable talking about with because that's what our society has, has led us to believe. That talking about religion and politics, you're just not supposed to do that, especially at work. Okay? I, I might agree with politics because you can get pretty heated over politics. But if you consider yourself a Christ follower... Every conversation you have should be filled with Christ. It doesn't matter if you're at work. It doesn't matter if you're playing baseball, coaching Little League. It doesn't matter. The things that you say, the things that you do should be filled with the thoughts of Christ. So as, as I began to kind of talk to you today about taking the gospel to the nations, about the Great Commission, think about that. Guys, God's plan for us was people engaging people with the gospel. That is his plan, plain and simple. As I was studying for this, I come across a few things, and one of the things I come across was a, an article, and it talked about some of the some of the myths that we have as a church that we've kind of accepted as as, reality, as Five myths um, in regards to the Great Commission. One of those is is that we just think making disciples will just happen. We can sit back and do nothing. Somebody else will do it. Uh, if somebody wants to talk to me about Jesus, that's fine. I'll talk to him. But I'm not going to go out of my way to do that the second thing is is that the command calls us sometimes to go across cultural barriers and I'm not gonna you know some people don't say I'm not gonna do that that's that's for other people and in in a sense maybe you will never have to cross a a cultural barrier to do that but think about this Jesus gave this command to take the gospel to the nations to a mostly Jewish community To take his gospel to a mostly gentile community think about that we're not the command doesn't call us to sit here amongst our own we have to go wherever that might be and for some of us it might be to our neighbors like landon had said a week or two ago the nations have come to us your neighbor may be the nations the people you work with may be the nations thirdly we think that jesus wants converts Jesus does not want converts. Jesus wants disciples. We need to realize that, that converts change religions. Okay? Disciples change masters. Okay? That's what we're after. We're not after somebody that's willing to just switch a religion just on the drop of a hat. We want people who are disciples. We want people who, who are going to change masters. Fourth, we fall under a false impression—a false impression that sharing the gospel, taking the gospel to the nations, is just for quote elite Christians, people who are qualified to do that, people who know what they're doing. In reality, the truth is is that we're all called to do that. If you are a Christ follower, a Christ you are called to do that. There is no such thing as an elite Christian. Last time I checked, I didn't find that in the Bible anywhere. Okay, so we're all called to do that. if you, if you remember. As you read through the Gospels, who did Jesus use? Who did Jesus, Jesus choose as his disciples? He used mostly unlearned, lower-to-middle-class people. That's who he chose to take his Gospel to the nations. And for most of us, that's us. Finally, uh, the fifth thing I want, to, I want to mention to you is that one of the, one of the greatest myths that the, that the church, the Big C Church, has come across and that we really believe is that the Great Commission was not a Great Commission. It was just a Great Suggestion. It's just something that Jesus said as he was leaving, and it is what it is. It, it, we, don't, we don't take it seriously. So as, as we dig into the scripture today, remember remember this, guys. The gospel, Jesus' plan for the gospel, spreading the gospel to the nations, is you engaging somebody else, okay? So today our big idea, is we will finish the mission when we obey Jesus' command to make disciples of all nations. So if you would, if you haven't already, open your Bibles to Matthew 28. We're going to be reading through 16 through 20. We're going to read the whole Great Commission. All right, I'll read that for you. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. To the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for the day. God, we thank you for the chance to be in your house, uh, to worship you, and to uh, to hear your word, God. God, I pray as we open your word that you would just speak through me and that uh, this would be a challenge for all of us. So God, be with us, and we thank you for this time. Amen. So as I stated earlier, as we begin to dig into the Great Commission and what it looks like for us as individuals, I want you to think about what you do on a daily basis, how how you encounter other people, whether it be at work, School, extracurricular activities that you do. The thing that we need to realize today is that evangelism is not done by something. It's done by someone. Okay? There's no programs. There's no committees. We use programs. We use committees to help us mobilize and to help us get things in place. But it's someone who's going to take the gospel to the nations. It's not something Remember that this mandate, this commission that, that Jesus has given us is not just to the church as a whole, it's to you as, as individuals, okay? So think about it in two cents. Two, one, church as a whole, me, me as an individual, how does it impact me? The last thing is, guys, there is no plan B. You read in scripture, there is no plan B. This is Jesus' plan for taking the gospel to the nations, he doesn't have a backup plan in case this one doesn't work. Okay, this is it. And this is something that, that ought to strike us all really hard today, is that if you, when you dig into the New Testament scriptures, there are no scriptures where we find that there are disciples that aren't making disciples. We are to reproduce other disciples. The first thing we see here is that encountering Jesus should, should result in worship. Uh, in, in 16 and 17, we see here that it says, Now that the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some had doubted. We see Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary in, verses, in verse 28-9. If you go back just a little bit, as Mary and Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and the tomb was empty... And then the angel of the Lord told them, go, go tell the disciples that, you know, that Jesus is not here. Jesus met them on the road. And what was their reaction when they met Jesus? They worshiped him. They grabbed his feet as an act of worship. We see uh, the wise men as we come up, up, up to Christmas. You know, we, we talk about the wise men. The wise men searched Jesus out to worship him. What did they do? When, when, when they found Jesus, they worshiped him. We see the disciples, were when they're on the boat, Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000. Jesus needed to go, he wanted to go away and, and pray, and he sent the disciples on. And so as, as Jesus was meeting up with them and he was walking across the water, and when they realized, hey, that, that it was Jesus, what did they do? They worshiped him. So an encounter with Jesus should result in worship. The disciples in verse 17 reacted the same way, all right? When they saw Jesus, when, when they did what he said, he said, go meet me on this mountain. When they met him, what did they do? They worshiped him. When, it, when, he, when he came to them, they worshiped him. Now, you see, it says that some doubted. As you look at that, it says, you know, you, you can look at the translations as I was studying. It says maybe not doubted, but some maybe, have, maybe hesitated, okay, because he, he might have been far away. So that some, some may, may have, have hesitated to believe that, hey, this is Jesus. This is the risen Lord. And so... Uh, to, uh, another thing is that his his worship is the ultimate goal of our mission, okay? His, his worship is the ultimate goal of our mission. If you look in, in uh, Revelation 7, I, I want, I'll read it for you so you don't have to turn to it, but in Revelation 7, 9 through 11, it says this. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so guys, our worship, his worship should be our goal. Anything other than that, if we're doing the things that we do, it doesn't matter what we're doing in missions, evangelism, if that is not our ultimate goal, to bring others into the worship of Jesus, we have missed it hey, we've missed it. That is what we want to do is bring others into the worship of Jesus. Uh, Two, we see here that Jesus has been given authority over all things and all people. And we're going to spend a little time talking about uh, the authority of Jesus and what that means for us. Uh, but I'm going to read verse 18. It says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. When you think of authority, what do you think of authority? When I think of authority, I think of, of course, I think of Jesus. But I think of my boss. I've got a bunch of bosses. i got a boss in Denver. i got a boss in Houston. i got a boss in Oklahoma City. i got bosses everywhere. Okay. So I'm not short on bosses. I think of my mom and dad. I think, yeah, Char just pointed to Lisa. Lisa is my, is, you know. So, you know, some of us think of the government as authority. But if you sit back and think about it, do they really have authority over us? You know, in Romans it says that we need to submit to the authorities that God has placed over us. But what kind of authority do they have over us? They can control some of the things that affect us, but can they really control what we do and what, what happens to us? Sometimes we, asso- we, we associate authority with fear. You know, we see in Matthew 10, 28, where, where Jesus says, you know, don't, don't fear the things that can just kill you and then they're done with you. You need to fear the thing. You need to fear me because I have the power to cast you into hell or to heaven. Those are the things that we should fear. And so we see that as we start talking about the authority of Jesus, this is something that Daniel prophesied back in Daniel in chapter 7. I'll read that real quick. It says here, I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like the son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom and all the and all the peoples, nations, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall never pass away and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel's, Daniel's prophecy was a fulfillment. When Jesus, when Jesus was given the authority from, from, from God here, as we see in Daniel, the ancient of days, that's, a, that's an Old Testament name for, for God. And God has given Jesus his authority. And we see that when Jesus conquered death, all this authority that he had on, on earth, he's going to also have it in heaven. So it's an all-encompassing authority. We see this in, in several areas. We see uh, that his nature, uh, that, that nature, he controls nature. His, his, the authority and dominion includes nature. We see in Matthew 8, 26, if you, if, you, if you look in Matthew, Jesus was on a boat. Okay, there's waves, and they're like, Jesus, why are you sleeping? And he's like, what are you worried about? You know, you, you have no faith. And Jesus was able to rebuke the winds and the waves, and it stopped. We see how he has authority over disease and demons. You know, Jesus was in Galilee teaching in the synagogues, and he was healing. And he was curing sickness we see that uh you remember the story of jesus uh come across the two demon possess, possessed man when you know Landon, uh taught on that in luke you know the two demon uh possessed men were in the in the t- in the tombs you know in the cemetery and jesus is able to cast those demons into those pigs and the pigs run off the cliff and die in the lake he has control over the disease and the demons we see he has control over sin and death in Matthew 9, 1 through 7, we see that Jesus heals the paralytic and he forgives his sins. And so he, he has the power to heal and he also has the power to forgive sins. You remember that they questioned that. They said, who is this guy? What authority does, is he able to heal and forgive sins? How can, how can this guy forgive sins? He has the power over our lives. We see in Matthew 16, 24 through 25, Jesus tells us to take up our cross deny ourselves, you no longer live for you, you live for me. That's a personal call. We must be open to whatever he has, he has for us. We see that he has control over every life. And guys, to me, this is, this is one of the most, I don't to know if I want to use the word scary, but this is one of the most scary things to me. As someone who uh, is, is responsible for the flock of a church, this is something that's very scary to me because there's a lot of people that sit in our churches that I think are one day gonna be really disappointed when they meet, when they meet Jesus at judgment because if you, if you see here, Matthew 25, 31 through 33, all of us are gonna stand before Jesus as judge and he's gonna separate us. He's gonna separate us as sheep and goats. Sheep on the right. Goats on the left. And he's going to tell the goats on the left, depart from me, I, I know you not. Okay, so he has control over every life. That is something that we really need to contemplate as we deal with people on a daily basis. Next we see that Jesus, under Jesus' authority, we will obey his command to go and make disciples. There in verses uh, 19 and 20, my mark fell out, sorry, there we go. We see in 19 and 20, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now guys, this is something I want, want you to key on. I spent time talking about the authority of Jesus because I think that is key to this commission. You think about your parents. You think about people who have authority over you. If I tell my boys to go do something and they don't do it, it's because they might not trust or they might not uh, respect my authority. So when you see that Jesus has given us a command to go and make disciples of all nations, he has the authority to do that for one because God has given uh, given him that authority. And so when we, when we come to the Great Commission and we think, uh, if you don't respect the authority of Jesus like, like you should, the Great Commission is not going to mean anything to you. Okay, so we have to get to the point where we know that Jesus has the authority over us. He has the, the authority over all the things that we had just talked about. Now, I know this, this next slide we're going to put up, this is the, one of our great theologians of our time. All right. Winnie the Pooh says you can't stay in your corner in the forest waiting for others to come to you. Sometimes you have to go to them, okay? And I know if you're Winnie the Pooh fans, you've probably seen that already. But guys, we can't expect people to come to us. Jesus has commanded us to go. Now, for some of us, going may mean going on the other side of the world. For others, going may may mean going to your neighbor next door. You just never know where you might go, but you have to be open and willing to go wherever he sends. As you're going about your daily life, as you're doing the things that God has asked you to do and, and the things that God has given you in your work, whether you teach school, whether you're a student, whatever we're doing, we need to be sharing our faith with, other, with others. And for some, sometimes, and it, it, this is not a comfortable call, the call to go and make disciples it's not a comfortable call. A lot of the times we, we get put in uncomfortable situations. We go to difficult places. We have difficult, difficult conversations. You might lose a, a friend. You might, you might gain a friend, who knows, but it's not a comfortable call. You remember as Jesus was calling people to his ministry, you know, they were, let me go do this. Let me go do that. And Jesus says, no, you know, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, and the Son of Man has nowhere. And so sometimes he calls us to leave everything behind and go follow him. That call is not for everybody, though. Sometimes our call may be, may be just going to our neighbor. This is something that really struck me as, as I was studying and starting to think about what does it look like to make disciples? What does it look like for me to, to start going to look at people? And, I, and I, as I read across this, I, our churches are filled with people who have never led anyone to be a reproducing disciple outside of their family. The churches are full of people who have never led anyone to the Lord. We get get so complacent and we get so comfortable with where we're at that we don't want to step out and we're missing the command that, that Jesus gave us. As I stated earlier, You know, scriptures, there's there's no scripture that says anywhere of of disciples not making disciples. We must be reproducing disciples. That should be our goal in every relationship that we have. If you're in a relationship with somebody, whether it be at work or school or wherever, if your intention is maybe not to make them another disciple, you need to, to look at that relationship and see how you can change that. We see here that we are commanded not only to evangelize the nations, but the deeper task of discipling the nations. This is where it gets, this is where it gets fun. A lot of the times we have a real easy, we think, well, we've done our job. We've, we've shared the gospel, we've shared Jesus with them, and they've accepted Christ. I have done my part. But that's not true. If we are true and faithful to, to the command that Jesus gave us, we have got to start discipling and what does discipling look like you know it might it might look different for 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 me than you but we need to find somebody that we need to disciple if you if if I, if if say if Christian shares the lord with somebody and this person comes to know, comes to know the lord and accepts him as his savior christian needs to take that guy he needs to mentor him he needs to show him how to read his bible how to study scripture how to pray some of the dis- disciplines of the church it's got to be more than just Good job. You're on your own. Okay, because if that's the case, more than likely that guy's going to stay where he's at. He's not going to grow, and he's not going to reproduce. So reproducing disciples is key. Next, we see that baptizing new believers is an essential part of the salvation experience. This is something that the church maybe... Our church does. When I say church, I mean big C church. Maybe we, ha- we don't put a whole lot of emphasis on is baptism. Baptism is nothing more than, a, than an outward expression of inward change. Okay? It, symbolize, it symbolizes identification with Christ and inclusion into the body of Christ. I think back when I started thinking about baptism, I went back to Philip and the Ethiopian. You remember that story? As the Ethiopian is, is cruising along in his chariot. He's reading the, the book of Isaiah, the, the scrolls of Isaiah, and he doesn't understand, and, and, and Jesus sends Philip down, going from Jeru- Jerusalem to Gaza, and he comes across the Ethiopian, and he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm reading the book of Isaiah. He, and he says, well, how do you understand? He says, I don't. And so Philip takes time to, to, to read the Isaiah with him, and the, what do they do next? The Ethiopian says, look, there's some water. Let's, let's baptize there. I, I'll be baptized there. And so we see all throughout scripture of bab, of baptism. Okay, so baptism has got to be part of your salvation experience. When I say that, remember, baptism does not save you. There's no salvation in the waters of that baptistry. street. There's no, there's no salvation power in the waters of, of the Nyando River in Kenya. But it is, it is a symbol. It is an outward expression of inward change. And to not be baptized, I think, is to neglect and dishonor. Jesus' command. And so we, we, need to, we need to make sure baptism is an emphasis. The discipling, discipling process means we teach and observe the things that Jesus commanded and taught. Guys, we gotta be teaching others, like I said a while ago, the disciplines of, of our faith. Bible reading, scriptures, uh, praying. All the things that we, that we do. It's gotta be something that we do on a daily basis, something that we that we are in in intentional on doing as we come across and, and make new believers. We don't just receive the word, we reproduce the word. Okay. It's not something that you have that you have been given to keep and hold. Okay. We have to we have to reproduce that word. We have to be bold in doing that. A lot of times in the discipling process, we think of it as maybe a, a microwave mentality. We want everything fast, you know. Well, good job, you, you receive the Lord. Go disciple yourself, and and it'll take you a week. Well, sometimes it's going to take you a lot longer than a week. We got to get past the microwave mentality of of discipling. Sometimes it's it's a hard thing to do. Discipling is a hard thing to do. People, for one, learn at different uh, rates than others. Some people. Are able to accept some of the things that you teach them faster than others, and so there is no there is no like cracker jack box answer of what you, what you need to do to disciple, okay? But it's you intentionally engaging in somebody teaching them the, the disciplines of our faith. And trust me, there's a lot of good books on that. Landon has sent us through a couple of good books on evangelism and, and discipling. fourth thing that that we come across in Scripture is that the authority and and promised presence of Jesus will empower us to carry out the mission. I thank the Lord for this because, guys, we can't do it on our own. We have got to rely on the Spirit of Jesus within us. We see uh, throughout the New Testament uh, of of the Spirit and His power in us. In Acts 2, we see that the Spirit comes at Pentecost You know, we were promised a helper, a great helper that would come, and and that happens in Acts chapter 2 at the Pentecost. We see in Romans 8, 9, that the Spirit of God dwells in us. You know, the Spirit gives us life. Even though that we are sinful creatures, the Spirit gives us life. Okay, so the Spirit dwells within us. We see in Galatians 4, 6, that we are heirs of Christ and his Spirit. It's not something that we earned. It's not something that we bought. It's something that we inherited from him. So the Spirit gives us life, and the Spirit uh, empowers us to do these things. Next, we see here that the mission is not based on who we are or what we can do; the mission is based on who Jesus is and what He is able to do through us, through in in our lives. Praise God for that! Right? When we put mission teams together, that's one of the things that I, I pray all the time. I mean, trust me, I love you guys. But we're all a wreck, if you think about it, okay and, and thank the Lord that we have the Spirit of Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit in us, to help us get us through the things that we need to get through, and that we need, to re- we need to rely on His presence. We really can do nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. We can do a lot of good things. We can do a lot of good things as as we go about sharing the gospel, but guys, our power comes from the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 320 it's one of my favorite verses. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to, the power, to his power at work within us. Guys, we have got to rely on the spirit of God. He has promised us the presence. He has promised to help us through difficult situations. It doesn't mean that it's going to be all, uh, you know, cupcakes and sunshine all the time. But he has promised to bring us through it. All right? Guys, it doesn't... It doesn't make sense, that, that, as we kind of start to wrap up, it doesn't make sense for millions of Christians to do nothing. All right? We should go with confidence. Jesus gives us confidence, knowing, knowing that he's the one who sent us, he is sovereign over all, and that he is worthy of worship from all. all right? Guys, going, going to, to make disciples looks different for all of us, but it's the same command to all of us for me sometimes it means going to kenya for you it may be going to your neighbor it may be going to a, a coworker down the street uh, down 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 the office i think it's a i think it's a shame that if you work for say if you work for somebody for 30 years in the same office building and that person does not know that you are a follower of christ and that you have never shared your faith with somebody like that we have got to get out of our comfortable selves and step out. You know, when you prepare for something like this, you don't know how long it takes. Uh, I don't get to preach very often. And so sometimes you think, well, this is either gonna last five minutes or it's gonna last 30 minutes or it's gonna last 45 minutes. I've been I've, I've been where it's lasted 45 minutes. And people are looking at me like, hey, the cowboy's playing. (laughs) But guys, here's the deal. As we start thinking about, as individuals, what does it mean for me to lead others to the Lord, and then the further step of discipling them, it's a one-on-one deal. You have to engage people. And it's got to be conversations other than football or baseball or Pinterest or whatever whatever you talk about it, you know. You have got to step out of that. You can use those things as, as a lead-in, you know, to, to the Lord. But we have got to get to where we are comfortable and confident in sharing our faith. Now, I'm going to do something a little different here, and I didn't tell Landon I was going to get. It. I saw this once before. I'm a I'm a visual guy, okay. And so as we as I start to close, some of you, oh, some of you have, may have seen this before. It's a rope, okay. This rope. This rope represents you. Represents me. Represents all of us. Guys, this is our this this is us. This is our lives. And we we will exist into eternity. Okay? This rope obviously does not go into eternity. It stops at the Christmas tree. But it, it goes on and on and on. This orange part represents our lives here on this earth very short. James 4 says, our life here is nothing but a vapor, nothing but a mist. And how are we going to live that life? Are we so consumed in this little bitty part of our existence about making the most money that we can do, making the most friends that we can make, going to see the most things we can do? And yet, sometimes we might miss the mark where, as we're, as we're going through this life here on earth, that our number one job here is to make disciples. To make to make believers and bring them in the presence of the Lord, and so sometimes we sometimes we need to, to to think about this. I, you know, I, I like I think about this rope a lot, not you know because I've seen this done a couple times. And when I think about what is my role in life, what is, what am I supposed to be doing? It's not about working your whole life so you can get to the very end and retire. Now, some of us that's great, but as you do that and as you retire. What does your life in, in the Lord's service look like? For some of us, our length here may be a little bit a little bit different. We have no control over how long our life on this earth is. For some of us, we have been Christians for the majority of this. For some of us, maybe we have never accepted Christ. Okay? Today, as we as, as I close, I just want you to think about. A piece of rope, our lives. What does it look like? What are we doing with our short time here on earth? Are we doing the things that God has commanded us to, the things that Jesus has commanded us to? Are we so wrapped up in our lives and so wrapped up in the things that we're doing, so wrapped up in making sure our kids have everything that they need, and, and, and we just get so consumed with that that we miss what God has, has for us? And so as we close, if, if anyone needs uh, to talk to me or Landon or Corey or, or uh, Hunter, uh, they'll be down at the front. Well, actually, Corey's playing the bass today, so don't 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 talk to Corey. But please, but 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 please feel free to come up and talk to us. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for the, just the chance to sit here and listen to your word. And God, thank you for for your Son and what you, what he what he meant for us. God, I pray that this morning, God, if there is someone here that does not know you, God, that they would come to you today. I pray that if someone here is sick, hurting, God, just whatever it is, that we just uh, would come to bring those things before you. So as as Tyler and the guys lead us, God, we just praise you, and we look forward to the worship. God, we thank you. Amen.